0: Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always. And today we are joined by a very astute expert in paid media. I'm super excited for this, and you should be too. The man I'm talking about is Justin Brooke. Justin is an author, blogger, and speaker. He's an online advertising expert and has been ever since he turned $60 into six figures with Google AdWords back in 2007. It was that early experience with Google that changed his life and turned him into a self-proclaimed traffic geek. With very few people, very few people study web traffic strategies as deeply as Justin does. Today, his company, I'm Scalable, has generated billions of ad impressions and sold millions of dollars worth of products for their clients, clients such as Snuggy, Trump University, Agora, Empower Network, Marine D3, Russell Brunson, Stansbury Research, Rich Sheffrin, Kent Clothes, and is it Kent Clothes? Kent Clothes and many Kent more. Clavier. Oh, clothe the air. Sorry. No worries. I asked him to join us today and share some insights on how to make paid media, the paid media game work for us and what to do when things go wrong. So Justin, thank you so much for joining us. It's an honor and a pleasure to have you on the show. How are you doing, my friend? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. We were just talking about your travel plans, how uh, you're kind of like myself. You want to enjoy the nice weather all year round, which is kind of, although I've never heard about Doing it uh, by just driving around. I th- just think that's a great idea. I mean,
1: it's, I and mean, why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. You go go north in the summer and south in the winter.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty straightforward. And it's good. I mean, you get to enjoy kind of the best of both worlds. So now uh, a lot of listeners, I know a bit about you and your background of that, but a lot of the listeners don't. Like, how did you, I mean, I, there's something in your bio there. You turned $60 into six figures. I mean, did you come from an entrepreneurial background? How did you get started in all of this?
1: I didn't come from an entrepreneurial background. My parents are, you know, diehard, blue blood employees. Um, ain't nothing wrong with that. You know, it's what America's built on. But um, I did, however, I was always very entrepreneurial. Like during my school years, I started out selling like lollipops and Jolly Ranchers moved up to selling uh, Little Debbie's brownies because I knew I could get like a dollar for those instead of 25 cents for <laughs> Jolly Ranchers. And then what happens after you eat a brownie? You need a drink. So now I was able to do a $2 deal and I started, uh, I actually got in trouble by the cafeteria in my school because we had a, uh, Yeah, I was selling so many brownies and juice boxes that people weren't having money and they were complaining. Not like I would like disrupted the system or anything like that, but people (laughs) were, you know, coming and they were like, I don't have any money and and I got in trouble by the school because people weren't eating
0: lunch anymore. So (laughs) they're they're just getting lollipops and brownies for for lunch, that's hilarious. Yeah yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So, I didn't come from an entrepreneurial background, but I was very entrepreneurial. And then, I, you know, a little bit of preparation, a little bit of luck, you know, um, I was already learning how to do this stuff. And then I landed an internship with Russell Brunson, Internet mm. Millionaire. Now everybody knows him about ClickFunnels, but I knew him before ClickFunnels.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: my my job as an intern was to write review articles on this quarter million dollar library of courses and DVDs and books that he had. So I got the uh, education of a lifetime, Uh, Mm. but it was still, it was an unpaid internship and I had to turn that knowledge into money. So I went back home, begged my girlfriend, who's now my wife to let me use, uh, let me do some of the stuff that I learned. We didn't have enough money, so I paid half the electric bill. That's where the $60 came in. I paid only half the electric bill, Use that $60, put it into an AdWords campaign, pathetic $2 a day campaign. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I doubled my money 11 months in a row, do the math, that's six-figure business, and uh, paid my electric bill back. And, uh, <laughs> That was it, man. I I turned that that knowledge, that education of a lifetime. I applied it, and ever since then, I mean, it's literally traffic, paid traffic, that took me from eating ramen noodles to Red lobsters. So, mm. it's kind of the thing that I, it's my thing, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. I've got marketing books in the bathroom, audios in the car, you know, mm-hmm. like it's. Uh, I've got tattoos about it, like it's. Um, <laughs> it's it's my thing in life.
0: So you're all about it, and I love what you say because my buddy Dan and I, who's also been on the show, we always say that it's, in the beginning, it's about getting roof and ramen. You know, it's just getting <laughs> paying paying for the roof over your head and the ramen noodles that are keeping you, you know, alive. <laughs> that's basically the first goal, the first stage. But it sounds like that's and that sounds that's a great story, but almost sounds too easy. Did you have to overcome any challenges or obstacles
1: <laughs> in figuring this game out? My my greatest fear is that I'm going to be in a, at a public event one day. And some like new young punk is going to say to me, well, it's easy for you. You got successful fast or you, right. know, like, you, you got successful overnight, man. Uh, you know, there was some luck. It's not even luck because in order to get that in- internship, there was a lot of other people that applied for it. But what mm-hmm. I ended up learning is everyone else, everyone else that applied for that internship wasn't willing to move out to Idaho. For the thirty days and and, and doing an in house internship with Russell and so because I was willing to do that that's why I got the internship. It's not like it's just mm. like I was just sitting around one day and Russell Brunson called and was like, hey, you want to come learn? Um, right. And then same thing with the whole you know I, I've been doing this twelve years. I put you know I got over three hundred books on my bookcase. I've probably read at least. 150 of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm the, same, I'm the same
0: way. The book you don't own, you can't read, and the book you don't read can't help you, so you just <laughs> end up buying
1: a lot of books. Yeah, but, so, I mean, yeah, I put a lot of work into it.
0: Well, over 12 years, what have been some of the biggest challenges that you had to figure out or overcome?
1: Uh, you know, everybody thinks it's. Um, everybody thinks it's some ad network, or some like secret setting in the ad network that's gonna finally unlock success for them. But um, like everything else in life, I've learned in tennis, I'm now learning how to do, I don't do tennis, but I'm, I'm talking about like in everything in life, there's always the mindset and it's been the mindset that has set me apart from other people. It's the rules you create, the systems you create. It's not about the skills. I can teach anybody. Literally within an hour, I can teach anybody how to create a Facebook ad or a Google ad or a native ad or a Twitter ad or whatever ad. You know, it's it's very easy to learn how to create an ad. Anybody can do it. And anybody with a PayPal account or a credit card can pay for traffic. But what makes the traffic work is... Being able to detach your emotions from the money that you put into there mm-hmm. because you you just like in poker, when you push that money into the pot, you got to be able to stay emotionless about it. Otherwise, you're going to get eaten up by all the other players. And, and so. When you put your five hundred dollars or your a thousand dollars into the ad machine, you gotta be able to be unemotional about it so that you can split test because your job really in the first month is to lose that money. Uh-huh. And you're but you're not gonna like just waste it. You're losing it on learning what's working and what's not working.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And so what everybody does wrong is everybody just like starts up a campaign, they Push a bunch of keywords or a bunch of interests. They have one landing page, one ad, a bunch of targets, and they don't learn anything. It's just it just works or does not work, mm-hmm. and that's why everybody is like, "Oh, pay, I tried paid ads, it doesn't work." Well, no, it's you just set it up wrong. And so when I set up, we have something that we teach in ad skills called the five by three method. The five by three method is you start with five ad groups. Or ad sets depending on whatever ad network you're in Um, and then those five ad groups ad sets that's targeting five different segments of the market so if I'm creating an ad on Facebook I'm not just gonna try and target everybody in, in one ad set I have an ad set about the books they read, another ad Mm -hmm. set, the software that they use, another ad set, the micro, you know, the market influencers that they follow, another ad set, which is uh, maybe the stores that they shop at or the TV shows that they watch. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, And so I create, you know, these different like segments of the market. And then in each of those segments, I create three different ads. That's not 15 ads. It's not three times five. It's three ads, the same three ads in all five segments. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And so I'm testing, and then I want to use two different landing pages, at least two. And so when I put my $500 in a hundred goes on each of the ad sets and now I'm learning, you know, which of the three ads is working, which of the five ad sets is working, which of the, of the two landing pages is working. And so, I expect 80% of the campaign to fail.
2: hmm hmm mm-hmm.
1: I need 80% of the campaign to fail because I that I can't find the 20% that works if you know I don't yep. do this step. You know? Yeah.
0: Actually I can speak to that because that's so for any of the listeners here listening that don't know, paid media isn't a really important traffic channel to master. Uh, simply because there's only three ways to get traffic. You can buy it, you can borrow it and you can build it. So building it is like this podcast. I build, you know, a community and audience, like building a newsletter over time, borrowing it is when you do an affiliate promotion or JV promotion, or someone sends you business or endorses your product. You know, or you get a, a, a press release done or something and, or, you know, some sort of uh, media outlet does a report on you that's borrowed traffic. But buying traffic, paid media, tends to separate the small mom and pop shops from the na- national and international brands simply because they can afford to go out and pay for a customer. And, like Justin saying, you have to be able to treat it almost like you would a sales rep, like the sales rep coming into your company. They're not going to make sales their first day. They're not going to make sales their first week. Maybe it might take them a month, two months, even three months for them to finally get the hang of it. Understand the pain points of the product and the service, you know, and finally start making some sales. And so you have to be able to, to teach your, your ad budget like that. And, 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 and be willing to invest in the training and my own story, Justin, before I got into what I'm doing now, I used to have a martial arts school and what you mentioned is almost exactly what I did. I did, uh, an ad campaign on Facebook way back in the day. And, uh, I had five different targets and I had 11 different interests. And I was targeting them, right? And so it was like, because it was a martial arts school, I was teaching, uh, I did, I trained with Hicks and Gracie. So I was doing Gracie Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, kind of MMA. That's what I figured out everybody wanted. Everybody wanted MMA, even though what I had was Gracie Jiu Jitsu. So we got an octagon and all that. But what the, you know, I had like lose weight, get in shape, you know, uh, compete and win. Uh, what did I have learned self-defense? Like I had all these different things. And and then I had the different targets. I had university students, I had uh, fire rescue personnel, I had working professionals, you know, I had these different categories and what worked like gangbusters was free fighter fitness and skill assessment to university males. That was Ooh. like printing money and it worked 1100% better than the number two runner up. So if I had only done, like you mentioned, like one or two things.
1: Do you know what I mean? Like, I, it would have been a total yeah. flop. It was because I did that. Another similar story to that, uh, way early in my career, I used to teach people how to buy and sell websites for profit, kind of like digital real estate. And for a long time, my ads would say, learn how to make more money with your flips. Because there was already people that were doing this, but mm-hmm. most people were making like $500. I was flipping websites for 15000 25000 And then one day I tried a new ad and I, and it was like, learn, you know, learn how to flip a website in a weekend. And all of a sudden that thing had the biggest click through rate and the highest conversions. And so where I thought people, you know, the trigger was learn how to go from $500 flips to $15,000 flips. The real trigger was learn how to flip a website quickly.
0: And so Mm. it wasn't
1: necessarily that they wanted to learn. In fact, I, after surveying them, they felt like. $15,000 flips would be too hard. And what Mm -hmm. they really wanted to do is be able to do $500 flips over and over and over and over again quickly.
2: Mm. And so,
1: yeah, you know, if you don't do this testing, if you don't create multiple ads and ad sets, you don't learn these insights. You don't get those big wins. So let's talk about that for a minute. Some
0: like target market research. If you have a new client or new campaign or even an existing business, how do you, you know, what do you recommend for, identifying the target market? Are you a big fan of surveys? Do you do any like using audience insights? Is there a couple steps that you use to try to help narrow it down? Yeah, I, I, every single
1: campaign, I start off like I'm a complete idiot. You know, mm. I, I don't, I don't want to bring my own prejudices or judgments or, you know, like any like guesses or assumptions. I don't want to bring that into the market, into the right. new project. So I always start off by just I just go to Google and I'll just start typing in like the main keywords. So like if it's tennis, I'm going to type in tennis and then down at the bottom, it's going to start giving me some like some modifiers to tennis, you know tennis courses tennis classes tennis equipment you know and then so i start getting kind of an idea of what is popular and then there's some tools that you can use and now all of these tools they do what you could normally do by hand they just do it faster and you know in in, um in massive batches so you don't need any of these tools but the one that i recommend more than anything else is one called SEM Rush, and I swear, I, I mean, I've told the owners and the employees of this company that I would literally stop paying my electric bill before I stopped paying for SEM Rush. Like I would just go up to the library instead, <laughs> because I, I could I could make my money back with SEM Rush. So mm-hmm. I just I type in the the market into SEM Rush, and it starts showing me who the competitors are on the ads and also the SEO. Uh, But, like, it starts showing me who else is bidding on these keywords, and then it shows me their ads, it shows me their keywords, it shows me their landing pages. So it's like you're getting kind of the keys to the kingdom just Mm -hmm. by typing in a couple of searches. And then from there, I want to be able to rank the competitors because you don't know who's the top dog, who's, you know, the chumps until Mm -hmm. uh, you actually – so then I use another tool called SimilarWeb. And similar web is eventually going to hear one of my podcasts change their charging model, but for the most part, all you, when you're doing the research, all you really need is the top ten results. You're okay. really not, you know, unless you're like digging deep into a market. Um, but. And so, because you only really need the top 10 results, you don't really need to pay. <laughs> because they give you the top 10 results for free, you have to pay when you want to go deeper. And so, eventually, they're going to catch on to that and start charging for the top 10 instead. But um, so, similar web, absolutely pay for. Or, no, I'm sorry, SEM Rush, definitely pay for. Similar web, you can, you can get by with the free version of that. But what that does is it's kind of like having Google Analytics for all your competitors it's like being able to see their analytics and so now i'm able to start seeing who has the most traffic out of all these people and and so now i start creating a spreadsheet showing me okay this guy's number one this guy's number two this guy's number three here's their ads here's their keywords here's their landing page and i start kind of building this market map which is important because you don't know how to create a unique angle which is you know, that's critical to your success mm-hmm. in marketing. You don't know how to create a unique angle until you know what everybody else is saying. Yep. Once once you know what everybody else is saying, then you know how to create a unique angle. You can you can have the contrarian point, or you can have uh, you know, a speed advantage, a discount advantage, like there's a lot of things, but you need that that initial market map. Um and, and that's just my name for it, but you need that sure. initial spreadsheet of market data. Yeah, okay.
0: So that's basically, you start with some keyword research, you're a fan of that, using a tool, SEMrush. Now, if anyone doesn't want to use SEMrush, what is a workaround? Like you said, there's a way to do it for free. What do they have to do if they want to try to, you know, figure it out on their own? So
1: really all SEMrush does is it just kind of, uh, like does a lot of searches and scrapes all the information. So I can go to Google right now and I can type in, tennis equipment mm-hmm. and then it's going to return back to me all the people that are advertising on you know for on that keyword and so that i can start adding these to my spreadsheet myself and then i can type in another keyword and do the same thing and another keyword and do the same thing and see who you know so you can do this stuff by hand it's just the tool okay. doesn't yeah. really fast <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah 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 no
0: all good okay just so people understand kind of the methodology that's all that's behind it so okay So now you've done your research, you kind of understand who the competitors are and who's making money and not making money. And what, what the money, what I think was really valuable about this is you understand the money keywords, because I know a lot of people that are either in the SEO or whatever, and they want to like, you know, they want to go after a hundred or 200 or 300 keywords because they think that vol that's where they're going to get the volume and the sales from. But, and correct me if I'm wrong, but, don't the sales typically come from just like a handful of kind of ad groups a hand, you know what I mean? Like not, it's yeah. not, you're not making money on 200 keywords for one business. You know, you might be able to push
1: traffic, but yeah, going back to that very first campaign uh, after my internship, I had, I did the classic mistake. I put 900 keywords into <laughs> one ad group, you know, cause that's what <laughs> I thought you do to get a lot of traffic. It's like, I'm going to have every keyword in the world. That's right. And, when all was said and done after I went through like three or six months of optimization, it came down to there was only nine of those keywords that were actually ever leading to sales. Out of the mm. 900, only nine, and it's just coincidental that it was like 10%. Uh, but, uh, yeah, only nine of those 900 keywords were actually driving any sales at all. So, yeah, SEO can be really risky without first doing this research.
0: mm mm, mm. So once you've done, the, you
1: got this map of the
0: market, and you know who's out there, who's making money, who's getting most of the traffic, what their ads are going to, what landing pages. How do you come up with or test different offers? Is there some things that you feel like every offer has to have? Is there a way to test it? Uh, how you know how much money do you have to spend to test? You know before you know that you need to just shut it down.
1: Are you spending you know five hundred dollars to figure out whether or not works or not? So for me, the next step is so you have the market map and then you have the five by three method but you if you already have a product then you kind of already know what you're going to be advertising if you don't have the product yet um what i would suggest people do is put up just like a squeeze page or even just an article Mm -hmm. and if you can get people to opt in for an idea, then you can probably get them to pay for the idea, but if you can't even get them to offer up a free email address, then they're never gonna actually pay for this thing. So like if I'm launching a new product, I I do courses, and I I sell information. That's just what I've been doing for years, but kind of the same process works for every other business. I've been doing the same thing for every client for 12 years. And so for me, I would just write the first chapter of a book mm-hmm. and I, or even just create the first module of a course. And then I would put that up on a squeeze page and see if I could get people to opt in.
2: Mm-hmm. And then
1: if I can get people to opt in, then I'm going to write a sales page for it. I'm not going to create the whole thing first. I'm going to write a sales page, sales page for it. Then I'm going to advertise that sales page. If I get any sales, then i'm going to go ahead and quickly create the product so mm-hmm. um that's the way i do it and, and you can do this you see a lot of the same things these days with like kickstarters and crowdfunding you know all these people are doing is they're validating ideas before they actually go and create the product
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah that's something that
0: i think is a huge mistake a lot of people make and i know i've made it in the past it's just investing a lot of time i remember i was in a mastermind group and this guy, it was his turn into the hot seat, and he came and he sat in the hot seat, and he was saying how he got a, a million dollars investment, and this was way back. This is like when flash websites had just come out, and they were like the cat's meow, mm-hmm. and they had spent they'd spent like eight hundred thousand dollars on on making flash sites SEO indexable. Oh, Jesus! And, like, and he's like, now now we've got around two hundred thousand dollars left. We're looking to interview like a marketing manager so we can get this out there into the world. <laughs> and every single one of us, in the mastermind were like, bro, you did this totally backwards. Like you needed to do something for like 50 K, you know what I like? It's, if, if it's, if it's really expensive, new software, you know what I mean? Like 50, hundred K first and spend 800, 900, thousand on marketing it and figuring out what people want to buy or pay for, because that's, and for anyone listening that doesn't realize this, if they haven't figured it out yet is that's the, I mean, people always argue, You need a world-class product. You do need to deliver quality in your products and services. Otherwise, you're shooting yourself in the foot and there's no longevity in what you're doing. And you're not really pushing the world forward in any way, shape, or form, right? You're more like a parasite versus helping further humanity in some way, you know, Mm -hmm. helping people overcome a problem. That's a given. That put us aside. The next thing is being able to establish a steady lead flow and consistent sales. You have to be able to maintain that if you want to have an actual business. Otherwise, you don't really have a business. You have a hobby. So that's where like what Justin's describing is he's making sure that his marketing and sales systems are up and running and producing that way. It justifies hiring the team to serve the people. Right, to build the course, to do all that stuff. It merits that, as opposed to cackling like a madman alone in his apartment or house or wherever he's living, RV, <laughs> you know, about how amazing this thing's gonna be, and toiling away for a year, two, three, four years and then be like ta-da to present it to the world and not having anyone there. Who benefits it from because it's not about you, it's about the people you're to serve. And that's a major mistake I've mistake made, and I know lots of other people that have made, and people who continue to make it when they start, is they go into business for themselves and they're trying to make their dream business for them. It's like building your dream house for you, but you're not paying the bills. You're not the one that's gonna yeah. live there. You're not like there's a
1: massive difference between selling what you want to sell and selling what the market wants to buy. Yes. Yep. Yep. So
0: now do you have any Tips for how to build a sales page off the research or anything? (laughs)
1: Um, It's not a copywriting course, but. Yeah, so I've got kind of my own way. Um, There's a lot of, I I think one of the go-tos that most people use is if you just Google like uh, 12-step sales letter, David (laughs) Frey. You know, that's kind of the the default, but and, and, and it's very good. I've got kind of my own thing. Um, there's like all these other abbreviations, ADA. And, but for me, it's um, it's REM, and it's just kind of my own system and works really well for me. It's worked for some of my customer, students, whatever you want to call them. Um, and REM stands for Relate, Educate, and Motivate. So the first thing you have to do when somebody hits your page is you got to relate to them. If that, if if the design doesn't look like what they would expect, if the headline doesn't, you know, relate to their problems, if it's not, you know, like the first thing you got to do when they hit that page is you got to relate to them. Mm
2: -hmm. And then,
1: you know, my sales style is I just don't really like being super salesy and hypey. And, you know, so instead what I do is I just educate, you know, just give a give and give and give and what ends up happening is two things one you kind of trigger the law of reciprocity because they're just in love with the value that you've just given them mm-hmm. and then the other thing is, is you just educated them so much that now they're overwhelmed and they just want you to do it for them <laughs> so uh, and then the motivate is you have to give them a reason why they need to buy today because if it's If there's not a strong reason to buy right now, then what they're going to do is they're going to think about it. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. and if they're going to think about it, it's never going to happen because the kids are crying and dinner's got to be made and there's a movie tomorrow night and, and you're gone. You know, you're you only exist in the prospect's mind for like the next 30 seconds. After that, I promise you, they are not still thinking about, man, you know, let me just ponder over whether or not I want to buy that product I was looking at. No, -hmm. you're gone out of their life. So it's relate, educate and motivate for me.
0: Mhm. Now, do you want to say anything about your experience like are sales letters dead? Is it all about webinars, teleseminars, you know, like do you have to have video? Does it is there such thing as too long, too short when it comes to paid ads? Like what's your experience been?
1: You know, it, it's kind of like I'm not trying to make enemies for you. I'm just trying no, to- <laughs> no, no, no. It, it, it's kind of like in the old days people wore fitting pants. And mm-hmm. then, you know, mm-hmm. my generation came around and we had baggy pants. Right. And now my son is wearing tight pants, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and the same thing kind of happens in the marketing circles. It's like sales pages were popular and then it went to video and webinar. And now because video, like literally just days ago, Google made an update to their browser where it by default Shuts down autoplay VSLs. Like, right. You know, like you don't even get a chance. This isn't something that they're installing. This isn't, you know, uh, a compliance issue. Like the browser just will not play an autoplay VSL.
0: Yeah, that's something I had last night. I was going through. I don't know if you know Glenn Livingston, but he <laughs> he sent me some stuff, and I was trying to check it out, and uh, his videos weren't playing. I had to go in and mess around with the Google Chrome settings. I'm like, why isn't it
1: just playing the damn video? I, I have Flash. Yeah. And so we're kind of coming back to the written sales pages and advertorials, uh, and, and so the tactically, it doesn't it doesn't really matter whether it's a video. And then the other thing that's really popular right now is video ads on YouTube and Facebook ads. So that's different than autoplay videos and whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So it to, to me you know, the medium doesn't really matter as much as if you're relating to the person, they don't care if it's a webinar, if it's a video, if it's a whatever, an email, a sales page, if it's it's relating to them, then they're paying attention. And if it's educating them on something that is relative, then they're going to keep paying attention and then you motivate. And so I don't care what you whether you're making a YouTube ad or a VSL or a webinar or a sales page. I mean, I kind of prefer written. It's uh-huh. just, even before I make a video, I write out the script. So, uh-huh. but like, whatever's easier for you, if just audio is easier for you, then do that. If video is easier for you, then do that. Because if it's hard, you're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. stick to whatever's easier for you and then just use a a process that works no matter the medium. And how about with follow-up?
0: I remember Ken McCarthy back in the day mm-hmm. on a on a call said, Daryl, all an online business is is an ad to a squeeze page that leads to an order form or a sales letter that leads to an order form with an autoresponder behind it that basically goes on forever. Would you agree with that? Do you not really rely on the follow-up so much? Is it mostly what can you get in the first kind of, you know, the first visit,
1: the first day? I I think that, I think he's right fundamentally. I think where the follow-up is, this goes back to the kind of the tactical thing, because Mm -hmm. to me, uh, a Facebook friend, is just as good as a as a lead on my autoresponder
2: mm-hmm.
1: because what, what is what is a lead on an autoresponder it's somebody you can you know that mm-hmm. you can reach out to and you can keep on communicating with
2: mm-hmm.
1: that's the same thing as i i do on facebook now would i rather have an email address yes would i rather have their actual buying email address yes so there's kind of levels to it but Yeah, it really comes down to like (laughs) capture an audience. So whether that's a squeeze page or a Facebook or a Twitch or a YouTube, you know, like capture an audience on a platform, communicate with that audience over time and sell them something that they want to buy. That's the big Mm -hmm. thing. Sell them something they want to buy, not something you want to sell them, you know. And if you follow those three basic rules, it doesn't matter whether you're selling software, sports equipment, info products, coaching, like that's just the way it works. Mm-hmm. And you figure out what they want to buy using the
0: rush and similar web to kind of give you that. No, to, to find out
1: what they want, that's to find out kind of what is being advertised, mm-hmm. you know, the messages and, and, and where it's being advertised. But to find out what they want to buy, My favorite thing, and nobody does this. I've been telling people this for ten years, and the ones that do are super successful. But whatever, Um, it's just picking up the phone, Mm. get on the phone, and talk to people. Offer them a fifty-dollar Amazon gift card, and just talk to people on the phone. Because the thing, everybody wants to just send out a survey. Cause mm. nobody really wants to get on the phone and have these awkward conversations. I get it. I never want to do it either. So I just, I stack them all up in one day. I get it over with and I'm done. Uh, <laughs> but the thing is, is when, when you send out an email and a survey, it's, it's very cold. You don't get the same answers as you do when you pick up the phone. People are much less likely to lie to you when you pick up the phone. And also you can kind of tell in the, in the voice inflections. Mm-hmm. the other thing is, is when you ask somebody a question over the phone, a lot of times they go on these rabbit trails or they expound upon their answer.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: and, and you can even just say, you know, after you've asked the question and they've answered it, you you can even just say it's, You know, do you have anything more to say on that? Do you have any other ideas around that? And they'll just unload. People love to talk about their thoughts Mm -hmm. and their ideas and their beliefs. And so you end up getting so much more information, so much higher quality information about why they want to buy this and where they buy it and and all those things. Uh, When you pick up the phone and you just set that awkward full day of, call it out you know (laughs) right and it's things you can never really
0: get with a heat map or you know a visitor recording or like you say a survey answer it's just stuff that's tough to get because it's it's that belly to belly kneecap to kneecap conversation that might be awkward and some people you might not get Mm -hmm. far with but other people will open up to you and the, the the data they give you the insight they give you is so
1: invaluable
0: you know and you can you can cover so much more in 10 minutes on the Yeah, I
1: mean, could... when we all start a business, generally our goal is to make a million dollars. Now, some people want to make a $100 million, Some people want to make six figures. But generally speaking, when we all have that idea of I'm going to start this business, we usually are starting this business because I want to be a millionaire. Mm-hmm. So that kind of means that that one day of calls is worth a million bucks. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. what you got to remind yourself is like I know this sucks, but this day these calls are going to be worth a million bucks to me. hmm Very yeah. Well said. So so well said.
0: So well said. So do you? This is kind of not a question that I had on my list, but this is something interesting. I had a mentor that talked about like having multiple businesses. He was been big into the multiple streams of income, and he he was kind of like you know maybe this business only does five grand a month or maybe this business does 50 grand a month and then that one only does 12 grand a month and that one only does you know 300 a month do you believe in that sort of thing or are you kind of like no you should really just have one business and you know maybe two projects as an entrepreneur and just built a build a moat and a castle around it
1: you know there's a lot of those type of questions in in this industry you know the other one is should you do uh uh double opt-in or single opt-in. And I find, you know, that these, these questions really just come down to the personal preference of what – I am a person who needs to focus on one thing, but then I'm, I'm out and I'm into another thing, you know. But mm-hmm. there are some people who need to have a lot of things going on at times. If I have a lot of things going on, I end up getting overwhelmed and I start shutting down. Right. But you know, so I need one thing and I go like super all into it. You know, I mean, yeah. I'm buying books and courses and and meeting <laughs> people and events. I mean, I go all into a ridiculous point and then I'm out. Mm-hmm. And then we like, you know, it's like you can't even get me to wanna like I'm done done. Like I don't even want to see anything about it anymore. So I think everybody's different for me personally i'm the one you know build one business and if you want to do something else build that one up till you can sell it or automate it and then move on to something else but you know every, everybody's different yeah, yeah I, no, I can't answer fine. that question
0: yeah no that's fine that was a legitimate answer so that's all all good all good all good And so what is kind of the top three things that tend to go wrong for people? What do you see as the same mistakes? We talked about it kind of before you gave us the five by three, you mentioned split testing, two landing pages. You also mentioned getting like a map of what's going on in the market. Are those really like to clearly articulate what are the top three mistakes? You see a lot of your clients and a lot of entrepreneurs that reach out to you. What are the things that you see them, the mistakes you see
1: them making? Three biggest mistakes. You know, the first one we talked about already, they just, they treat it like a lottery it's like oh i'm going to put all these keywords in here and one ad and one page and and i'm just you know, that's kind of like putting your money into a slot machine pull the arm down pray and see if you make some money that don't work you know so we mm-hmm. already talked about that the next thing that people do is they really deeply underestimate how much testing that they need to do
2: mm-hmm. and so
1: when I'm creating ads, for every 10 ads that I create, I'm hoping two or three work. Uh-huh. And a lot of people are creating, man, sometimes they only create one. But then I tell them, you need to create more. And they're like, okay, so two, three? <laughs> and I'm like, 25? <laughs> and they're like, 25? Like, but uh-huh. that's... That's what it takes. You know? you gotta be. That's so. That's the other big thing is they deeply underestimate how many blog posts I wrote. Seven hundred blog posts. Seventeen of them drove all the traffic.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: You know. And so, so that's the thing. They underestimate. Um, you know. There's been a great quote one time I, I heard. I forget who said it, but you know they said humans greatly overestimate what they can do. In, yeah. a, in a day, they greatly underestimate what they can do in a year. Right, yes, yeah, I've heard something similar to that, and that's so true. And, and so it's kind of the same thing with, um, you know, your ads and your marketing, like you, you greatly overestimate what you can do in a three-part email, email series, but you so underestimate what you can do in a hundred emails. Mm, mm, yeah. mm, mm, mm. <laughs> so, that's the other thing. Um, what's the other one? The third one? Oh, it's slipping my mind right now. It's all good. So we
0: <laughs> talked about we talked about the top three mistakes. The first one is they treat it like a lottery. They don't really do the research or the planning that they need, you know, to make sure that when they come in that they actually have something people maybe want and that they have their own unique angle. And then you talked about how they underestimate how much testing they need to do, how it might take. 10 ads to get one or two that even just have some sort of, you know, semblance of life. And then on top of that, you know, you got to try more and it, and then from your five by three, it sounds like they need to have five different targets and three different ads and the same ads for all three different targets to figure out which, you know, what part of the matrix is going to click. So that's like a targeting and that's almost like a, a niching solution. So the first one is just finding a position in the market. The second one's kind of, you know, n- niching its still positioning but it's just what niche of that Ooh. positioned market are you after
1: what do you think I remember the third one What is it So the third one for me is uh people they think people care about the product it's oh. kind of cold because when I, I don't mean like nobody cares about you like your mom cares about you your brother and your sister care about you and but like when it comes to sales and marketing Nobody cares about you. There's not a single person that's waking up this morning and they're thinking, man, I really hope I find a good tennis racket today. Or like, I really want to just go buy a high ticket coach today. Or You know, right. what they're waking up and thinking about is is their problems. That's all they're thinking about all day long is their problems and the problems that those problems are creating them and the cost that they're incurring. And, and so you got to remember that it's never about your product. It's never about you. It's always, always about them. And Mm. it's, and and that, that becomes really easy in the beginning to follow because in the beginning we're not like experts and, you know, doing podcasts and speaking and, and, and like, but yep. like when you start getting a, a, a level of success, all of a sudden you kind of forget that it's about them. them. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you start thinking <laughs> it's about you. And next thing you know, you're taking pictures and you got a suit on and, you know, and your ads always have your face in them. And, but then like you get to another level and you realize, oh yeah, that's right. It's not about me. It's about them. And so that's something you really got to force yourself to, to remind yourself about all the way through all the levels of success you have. Doesn't matter that's, how successful you get. It's still about them.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. Nothing feels like success. People think that they're so good that they just know, like, I've developed this intuition and instinct. But if that were the case, you know, a lot of these Fortune 500, Fortune uh, these Fortune 500, Fortune 1000 companies would still be there 50 years later, you know? Mm-hmm. So that ignorance is a, is real. So, right. um, so do you feel that there's like a habit? You mentioned having rules and systems. Are there habits or rituals that you have that you see some of the best marketers or best business people, uh, I say have, but they make or create for themselves or the habits that they keep?
1: Yeah, so me and my buddies who... Oh... We spend you know a lot of money on, on ads. Like the thing that I find in common with me and my friends is, we always go into it expecting our campaigns gonna fail. Mm-hmm. Like the biggest difference between my group of friends and the new guys, is the new guys they have this like twinkle in their eye when they're creating an ad campaign. <laughs> yeah. They're Like oh this is gonna be the one. And me and my buddies were like man I hope I don't completely poo the bed on this right. one, you know, yeah. and so it's it's that kind of attitude going into it and then the attitude of just always testing, always testing, you know, you're never done you know, there's always mm-hmm. another sales page you need to write, there's always another ad that can get a little bit better CTR, and so like, just I go into it expecting I'm going to fail and that I need to create a lot of ads to test and, and that that's just what I'm going to do every day Right, it's never right. going to be done. Mm, 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 mm.
0: So you mentioned you're creating a lot of ads. You said that a few different times. How often do you split test the sales page?
1: Um, the sales page. So I normally do advertorials okay. because it helps me let the sales page last longer. And so I will split test a lot of ads, a lot of advertorials. So my ads, I drive them to a piece of content. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that content it could be a blog post it could be a video it could be a podcast whatever but that allows me to have mul- you know multiple angles and to refresh them because it's very easy to write another blog post or to create another three minute video it's not always that easy to you know come up with another 30 minute VSL or another you know 60 minute webinar or whatever um, so I split test a lot more of those than the actual sales page. I don't do a whole lot of split testing of my sales page. I mean, in the in the beginning, I do a lot of uh, quantitative and qualitative analysis. So quantitative is like Google analytics. You know, what's uh-huh. how long are they staying on the page? How far down are they scrolling? You know, what's my conversion rate? And then qualitative is, you know, like having little surveys on the page or having uh, software in the background that's recording what somebody's doing while they're on the page. So it's telling you the why while you're also getting the what. And so I do a lot of that, but I don't really believe in, in a lot of split testing on the sales page because uh, it, it's either the offer works or it doesn't work.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: then where I find that a lot of split testing that needs to happen is at the ad level and the landing page level, because by the time they get through the ad and the landing page, they want the thing on the next page.
2: Uh, uh
1: But then, you know, you still like the market evolves after a couple of years and they just, you know, either their problem gets worse or there's a new problem that they have. And so every couple of years you need just a whole new sales page.
2: Uh Mm-hmm.
0: Mm hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, very well said. Very, very true. So
0: where do you think now? I know you've, I've seen you post about this on on social media and that what channels do you think? Is there a rollout method you recommend? You said before, like, you know, Facebook just doesn't have a lot of inventory and it's not necessarily maybe somewhere you would recommend people build their businesses on Facebook ads just because they're going to cap out once they get something that works. Is that they're true? They are. Is that, they are yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean it's not me, you know. I mean Google it, you know, Google Facebook Max Adload, and you'll see, you know, I mean every newsletter I'm subscribed to these days, it's like every day I'm getting another blog post coming out about somebody measuring 34% increase in CPM and 47% increase in CPC. And you know, I've been telling people this was coming for a long time, but well, it's here, you know. Mm-hmm. And um so i you for me it's google and i started out on google and and google did have their problems for a while but they grew up they matured they figured it out and that's kind of where facebook is at right now is they're at where google was at when google first started and then became a little successful Is you know facebook is trying to deal with the growing pains And they're trying to learn how to both please their user and their advertiser. And Google's already been through that journey. And so you're going to a platform that is one just bigger, far bigger. You could Google the stats of how much bigger Google is than Facebook. um, And you're dealing with a platform that's already been through their growing pains. And now they know how to handle both pleasing their users and their advertisers.
0: Mm. Now, how does that change the targeting? Because like you can target on interests with mm-hmm. Facebook, but you got to target with keywords with Google. Or are you still able to target with interests?
1: Can you still? So yeah. I would I would argue that keywords are interests. Um, you know even even better they're very precise interests. But there is interest targeting on Google as well. Like you know specifically like pet owners and. I ran one campaign one time where we were able to – there's a there's what's called in-market audiences on Google. Mm-hmm. In-market audiences is Google knows what people are buying because there's Google Analytics on all the pages and they have the right. Chrome browser. <laughs> yeah. and, and now they have Google Wi-Fi. So, I mean, they just – it doesn't matter. They know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they're also buying credit card data now as well mm. so that they can match up. Okay, we know that John Smith saw this ad. And then all of a sudden, a day later, there's a John Smith transaction on this credit card report. So we know that he converted. So in market audiences on Google is Google saying, we know people buy this stuff. And there's one called pet food buyers. Hmm.
2: And so
1: I had a client who was selling this super high end, like frozen, you know, freeze dried filet mignon for your dogs. And we were able to advertise to this in-market audience of pet food buyers. And then we were able to use keywords. So placements, that's the other thing. So it was people who were pet food buyers on pet food websites, and then specifically pages of those websites that were about premium or organic dog food. Mm, that's pretty targeted. That's, that's you, good, I mean you yeah. just can't get more targeted
0: than that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If anybody finds a way to target better than that, call me. I will pay you a thousand dollars an hour. That's a legit offer. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. So people who were pet food buyers on pet food websites, specifically on pages that uh, we're offering a premium food like this guy offered. Is that like kind of CPV stuff? I've heard of Ninja Tactics like that, like targeting, like if you sell whey protein, you use CPV where like it's people have downloaded toolbars or emojis or whatever, and you target all
1: your competitors' order forms. The level of targeting is similar to that, but the quality of, uh, of the medium is, is much, much different. I mean, you're talking about a pop-up versus – Right, Uh, an ad that's on an article that they were trying to read, the pop-up they're trying to shoo away, the article that they were trying to read, they're not trying to shoo that thing away. Yeah, 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 fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. So, okay.
0: So, now, what do you feel is kind of the future trends of this industry? Are we all going to get replaced by AI bots? (laughs) You know, is that, like, where do you think this is going? Is there a career in this? The things going to, how do you think things are going to evolve and change? I mean, they change
1: so fast online i tell you, I mean, what I'm doing right now is what I think people should be doing. You know, I've dedicated this year to trying to learn how all the bots work and not just like many chat messenger bots, all the bots, all the bots. Not only am I just trying to learn how to use all the different bots, I'm also trying to teach myself how to code mm-hmm. and, and so that I can make my own bots. And, and the thing is, is the future is going, the, the marketer of the future <clears throat> is going to be running the bots. There still need to be someone who is telling the bot what to do.
2: Mm -hmm. It's
1: it's a long time. All the things that tell you that there's AI in them, it's not actually AI, it's just a buzzword. It's it's actually something called machine learning in which is basically the robot bumps into the wall 2000 times and realizes, oh, there's a wall there. Let me stop doing that. Right. You know, and, and, it, and then changes its position a little bit until it finally makes its way through the maze. You know, that's what machine learning is. And so it's a very um, crude, brute force method of, of AI. It's the you know, <clears throat> precursor to AI. But anyways, because AI is actually a long ways away, um, there's still going to need to be a human telling these machines what to do. And so that's where marketers need to go is huh. there will be you you're not going to need to create ads like right now there's already Google's smart display campaigns where all you do is you load up a bunch of images a bunch of headlines you tell Google these are the age group that I want to convert and you know this is the page I want you to advertise this is the page if they land on it that they that's a conversion so you just give Google all this information and then Google uses the full power of its Million billions of dollars spent yep. in algorithms and machine learning, and they're testing. Not only are they testing headlines and image uh, combinations, but they're testing hours of the day that are best, and mm-hmm. you know segments of the people, uh, neighborhoods. You know this neighborhood versus that neighborhood, and this you know if it's raining versus it's sunshine out. Like they're testing everything, and so. That's where we're coming to is it's no longer going to be us creating a bunch of ads and us doing all the split testing. The bots will do that for us. But we still have to tell the bot what material to use.
2: in uh-huh. that. And uh-huh.
1: that's where people need to be thinking. That's where the puck is going.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, that's very insightful.
0: Uh, It's definitely good to be ready and prepared for the future because it's it's not going to stay still. The world doesn't stay still. It definitely keeps changing. And you can either you know what is it? There's three types of people: those who make things happen, those who watch things happen, and those who wonder what just
1: happened. You know, and And, and and so so the thing is, is uh, some people always wonder like, how far away is that? Like, it's here today, Mm. right now. The big companies are using right now. It's at the enterprise level. And so you may not have heard about it yet because it's at the enterprise level, but it's already here. This isn't something like somebody needs to go and invent one day. Like it's here right now. It's in beta programs. so like like you know tomorrow, you know, six months from now, this stuff mm-hmm. you know be mainstream.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm
1: so that's something that especially anyone that's
0: in the ad field if you're in the advertising field if you're running paid ads or you're managing someone's Google account or Facebook account it means that your numbers kind of on the wall at some point unless you kind of get into this game and start figuring that tech and just kind of keeping an eye on where that stuff is going is that accurate
1: right yeah there will be you know what the bots will enable you to do is it'll enable you to have more clients mm-hmm. but Uh, Because the the client isn't going to want to use the bot. They're they're not that good yet. Uh, It's a long time. You're talking about five, ten years before you have bots that are good enough for just, you know, Joe Smith, regular business owner, to do his own marketing with. Right. But, you know, in in between today and the next three years, there are bots out there right now that will allow you to save a ton of time, have many more clients work less than you ever have, make more than you ever had just because these bots are saving you so much more time.
0: More time.
1: Right, right, right.
0: Justin, this has been a great and very insightful interview. We've talked about everything from how to target your market, how to test your offers, how to get your ad campaigns up and running and profitable as soon as possible, how to troubleshoot them, the common mistakes people make tools to use, um, even just creating a, a sales page—it's not a copywriting course, but at the same time, uh, I think it's just very relevant what you, what you thought about. Because I know some people are like, "Can I drive ads to a long-form sales page? Should I drive them in what format?" Covered a lot of uh, a lot of the stuff, and I know you're really in the trenches, and so the the content, the information is really good. Was there anything I didn't ask you about that I should have asked you about? <sighs>
1: I don't think so. We covered
0: a lot. (laughs) We did cover a lot. No, it was good. It was great. Again, uh, my listeners always tell them, make sure you keep a paper and pen to write things down. You may want to listen to this call a second or third time simply because in this single 60-minute segment, we've covered almost the whole can soup to nuts on what you need and what it takes to be able to make paid traffic work. And it might be simple as how we've articulated it, but collectively, we probably have a few million dollars worth of experience here and it won't be as easy. So make sure you take the note and, and follow along as you try to roll this out. And Justin, if anybody here is struggling or they want to reach out or follow, how do, they, how do they get involved? How do they reach out to you?
1: How do they get some help? You can Google Justin Brooke. A lot of my stuff shows up, other interviews and YouTube videos and blog posts of mine. But if you want to just go to my website, go to adskills.com. Click the start for free button, and that'll get you access to my free daily newsletter where I give out a bunch of tips like I did today. That's awesome. Justin,
0: thank you so much. It's been a long time coming. I've wanted to do this interview for a while. I'm glad we finally got it on the books. And uh, it's just been an honor and a pleasure. And you definitely live it up to the legend. And I appreciate you, man. All right. Thank you so much. You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend,